They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task, got it covered like a mask. Guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I hail from. I had to climb up out the trenches, sit on benches till my time had come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. that stage. The stage where the best of the best meet. You know, the main stage where those who can do and those who cannot talk about those that are doing. If you're rolling with us, great. Let's rock. If you're not, you know you want to talk about our greatness anyway. That is a quote. But from whom exactly? Reminds me a lot of the 2019-2020 Los Angeles Clippers, except for the one who doesn't talk about that much, but you get the point, hopefully. Could have come from the podcast that talks about basketball and life as one. You know, the open run with Will Strickland, that would be me. We'll talk about that in a second, but I don't think it was us. Well, to be clear, it came from Kyrie Andrew Irving, a guy who before the season started, didn't want to talk to the pawns of the media, wanted to control his narrative as a part of the art installation at Barclays Center known as the Brooklyn Nets. And it seems for someone who didn't want to talk as much, they're talking a whole lot. It feels real defensive. My bad. I was about to use the word defensive when I was speaking about Kyrie and the Nets, but that's another conversation as well. Matter of fact, we'll talk about that later on in the podcast, but welcome to the open run where basketball and life are one brought to you by the fine folks at press. We are press.net. I can be found on these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter will Strickland and the number one on IG. And of course, across all streaming platforms, the nets, man, the story of the day. I don't care. You want to talk about the Lakers. You want to talk about anybody else? No, no. it's the nets. I mean, they are the flavor of the month. Let's get at it, right? But when I think about these words, I think about my father. Blessed dad. My dear old dad used to always say there are two sides to every story. Three, when you include the truth. We wanted to bring you the news, views, and truths on the NBA and beyond right here on this podcast. And we, we do it with words now. Words have meanings, and these meanings form mentality. And we're speaking about mentality. There is no other mentality to reference at all today. On Tuesday, January 26, 2021, then the mentality of the Mamba. The late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, the Black Mamba. Mamba mentality. Now, I'm not one who likes when people give themselves nicknames like Kobe gave himself a lot of nicknames. Vino, the Black Mamba. Sorry to the late, great Roger Mayweather, who was the OG Black Mamba. If you didn't know, look it up. Get your wiki way up. 
And his mentality permeated a lot of things that went on in the NBA with a lot of young players. I mean, he was definitely admired by players young and old, including he who shan't be named and all the Lakers who felt this loss tremendously. And when we look at his life, you understand that the mentality was based on Kobe being his own guy. I mean, you look at from the 96 draft where he was destined to go to the Lakers. Didn't matter how many teams. I think he worked out for like seven teams. But it was by design that he was going to go to L.A. or nowhere else. He would threaten to go and play in Italy if any team drafted him other than the Lakers. And then he was drafted by Charlotte, who didn't think the 17-year-old high school kid could make a difference. But Jerry West, the logo, saw something in him. They traded him straight up for Vladi Dali. We like the party. Vladi Divac. And right away, Kobe Bryant's a Laker. But he's the understudy to an all-star who's there. Shouts out to Temple's Temple University's very own Eddie Jones, who had a fine career in the NBA, did his thing in L.A. and also in Miami. But he was an all-star. Kobe was 17 years old. Fresh out, but he didn't care. Fresh out of high school. Did not care. You know, and the thing when you look at, at Kobe Bryant's life, people try to compare, well, which Kobe would you like the best? Who's the guy? He was a Hall of Famer in even one of his numbers, whether it's number eight when he started out in the league or number 24 when he changed it later on in his career. But the thing that told me that Kobe was real was not dunk contest or, you know, highlight reel, this or that. It was the two air balls he shot in the playoffs against Utah his rookie season. Because that told me he wasn't afraid of the moment. He understood time, situation, and circumstance at that time and still took the shots. Two air balls in a row. Didn't care. And that told you a lot about Kobe Bryant. 2000 to 2002, the three-peat. Shaq playing with him. You know, winning against Indiana in 2000. And, and beating Jalen Rose and Reggie. Well, we'll talk about beating Jalen Rose later on, but... You know, beating Rick Smicks and those guys uh, from Indiana who were there with being coached by Larry Bird, the legendary Larry Bird. You know, winning in 2001, beating Allen Iverson and the Philadelphia 76ers. And I've always wondered why people said that was the worst team to ever make the NBA Finals. They had the MVP of the league, the coach of the year, the defensive player of the year, and Dikembe Mutombo. And if you can say all of his names without looking it up, I might give you something. Anyway, and also the sixth man of the year in Blue um, Blue McKee. I don't know how, but whatever. And then beating down the New Jersey Nets back then. The New Jersey Nets played in uh, East Rutherford at the time under Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, those guys. Kerry Kittles, who was chosen by John Calipari in the Nets before Kobe Bryant in the 96th draft. Arguably the greatest draft in NBA history. Some people might argue 2003. Some people might argue 84. Lots of people think it's 96. So they win the three-peat. And then Colorado happens. I'm not going to do a deep dive on what happened, nor am I going to gloss over it because it was a very serious allegation of rape against Kobe Bryant in Colorado with a young lady who, you know, the charges were dropped. But the damage was done. And the thing that happened that probably wouldn't happen today had this happened in the recent past 
is that it didn't really affect Kobe's career after that. Maybe affected his home life. People make jokes about the ring he had to buy his wife to make up. But I think more than anything, it might have been a spark for what he was about to do for his daughters and with women's basketball. We'll get to that in a second. The stress of that lent to a terrible relationship and also, you know, I guess first the fat boys break up and then the second greatest upset in NBA Finals history in 2004 when the Lakers lost to the Detroit Pistons and they had five Hall of Famers doing five. One, two, three, four, fifth. Five Hall of Famers in that squad. If you can name them without looking them up, I know you will, but anyway, I'll tell you. The one you miss all the time is going to be Mitch Richmond. He was sitting on the bench. He just didn't play that much. But they had Gary Payton. They had Carl Malone. And, of course, they had Shaq and Kobe. And that was done. Shaq was out. It's time for Kobe to find himself, figure out what he's going to do. And he wanted to make sure he was the man on that team. He was. At that point, Jerry West and, and you know, Dr. Buss chose the young gun. Went with Kobe. He goes out, does his thing. Gets an MVP in 2008. Goes to the NBA Finals. They lose. Comes back. Gets Paul Gasol. Win two in a row. They beat Orlando. Depriving us of the opportunity to see he who shan't be named. And Kobe face off in the finals. 2010, they face the Celts again. They defeat them. Then you know he's going toward the twilight of his career. The 2012 Olympics in London, playing with the young guns from 2003 draft class, he who shan't be named, Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr., Christopher Weston Bosch, and of course, Carmelo Kayam Anthony, argued that it could be better than or equal to the 92 Dream Team. Of course, that will make lots of people upset, moist, and triggered out there right now, but we won't go into that. And then the grand closing. Mamba out. 60 points in his last game against the Utah Jazz. And when I come to think about it, I realize how big a role the Utah Jazz played in Kobe's career from the air balls in Utah in the playoffs to the end where he dropped that 60 on 50 shots. I mean, he got the big gun off. And of course, there was more to come in his post-playing career. I mean, like, who do you know who's won an NBA MVP Multiple NBA championships, five in seven tries, and an Oscar. In 2018, Kobe won an Oscar for Best Animated Short with Dear Basketball. I love this little film. I do. When he passed, I watched it over and over again. But I do believe that the greatest contribution he was going to make at that point in his life was what he was doing to contribute to women's basketball with his Mamba's Sports Academy, with what he was doing with his daughter, being a strong advocate for the WNBA and women's basketball period. I mean, he was admired not only in the NBA, but also in the WNBA. Lots of women who played the game rocked his kicks. Diana Taurasi had some legendary Kobe's on and in games. You know, she's arguably the greatest to ever play on the women's side. And I would never pretend to try and tell the full life story of Kobe Bryant on a podcast. There's no way. 
can't even tell what was going to happen later on because we will never see those chapters realized. So while we're going to talk some other NBA stuff, we're going to come back to Kobe. Hopefully you'll come back to listen to more of the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond on The Open Run with Will Strickland. We'll be back right after this. spread a little love because that's what we do it's a strickland way here on the open run with bill strickland and shout out my man dame daddy can't call him dame dollar anymore unless he's on the court but dame daddy dame lillard and his fiance kayla on the birth of their twins now i want to i don't want to mess up the cali twins names but i know one is named cali and the other one's spelled like cali but said kalu so i want to make sure that's right of course, he already has his junior, so uh, growing family, shout out to Dame. Want to send some love out to the Miami Heat and the COVID-sniffing dogs who said you couldn't teach old dogs new tricks, but somehow, some way, in an, I guess an attempt to bring fans back to the games, they have these COVID-sniffing dogs. Now, they've been testing these dogs in France and in Lebanon, and I guess, you know, they're able to detect it. You would think that by sniffing people who had COVID, the dogs would get COVID, but they have it. So I don't know how that works and nothing makes sense during this pandemic to me, but whatever works, let's get fans back at the games. They're going to test it in Miami. Hey, whatever. I, I, I'm with it. Also, shouts out to Jenna Schroeder and Natalie Sago, the first two women to ever referee a game together in NBA history. Um, last night, the Orlando Magic versus the Charlotte Hornets, they became the first. So history is made in the most progressive league of all professional sports. Shouts out to Jenna and Natalie. And I want to send some more love out to my man Delonte West down there in Florida, who's working at this thing called Life. Got a job at the place where he was rehabbing, reconnected with his mother. So shouts out also to Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban for making that happen, or at least facilitating the environment for that to happen, and Delonte West for getting on with his life. Last shout out, at least in this quarter, to D. Mitchell, a guard from Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, Oklahoma. He's a walk-on, where he was one, working at Walmart full-time to pay to go to school and trying to play basketball. The young man was making, he made all A's of 1B, earned a full ride after two years as a walk-on on that team. And if anyone deserves any love right now, it's Steve Mitchell out there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So shouts out to him. The young bull, Colin Sexton, who was told he could not play the NBA game. We saw him simmer saute the defenseless Brooklyn Nets. They were the, let me put it in perspective. The Cleveland Cavaliers were 29th out of 30 teams in the NBA in offense until the Nets showed up, the ultimate scoring machine. Now I played against a team in college called the University of Texas. They were in our conference, the old Southwest Conference, and they had a crew of guys on that team, three scorers. They called them the ultimate scoring machine based on, you know, the BMW slogan of the ultimate driving machine. So it was Lance Blanks, 
a friend of mine, Joy Wright and Travis uh, Mays or BMW. Blanks, Mays, Wright. Oh, the ultimate scoring machine in Brooklyn, you know. Durant, Harden, Irving. And they got cooked. Too straight. It was a humbling loss, as Kyrie called it, in his most sarcastic way. There's nothing humble about this guy at all. You know, KD couldn't even play the second game they played because they beat them twice. I mean, playing 50 minutes on a, a recovered Achilles, I don't care who you are, as great as Kevin Durant is, he needed that night off. And James Harden didn't really help that much either because the last time his team lost two straight, remember what happened? We're just not good enough. Fought his way out, got a trade. I don't think that's going to happen in Brooklyn, but it is what it is. And, you know, Steve Nash is even said, look, as great as we are on paper, as great as these guys are, you have two MVPs on your team. You have a guy who's arguably the greatest ball handler in NBA history on your squad and offensive force all around. You can't just show up to the gym and expect to win. But I guess you're on that Brooklyn bullshit. We on it. Biggie, biggie, biggie. Can't you see that they need some defense in the middle of that lane to stop anybody? I'm saddened to report in other news that an innocent bystander to the self-inflicted violence the Nets subjected themselves to in an attempt to dethrone the squad of a 36-year-old, well, I'll redact the name to lessen the trigger mechanism, free agent Norvell Pell, who was, I think he played in Philadelphia last year a little bit, you know, backup duty, um, who was brought in to show up, I guess, the optical illusion that is the Nets' defense was mortally injured today by the words I said in these rough interweb streets about the Nets. Hopefully you're not that wounded and you'll come back for another quarter of the open run with Will Strickland only here on Press. We are press.net. Strickland and I want to take it up north, do a little up north, bounce some Canadian content and shout out the Toronto Raptors social media team. Now they had a video, I don't know if you get an opportunity to check out the website, uh, raptors.com or what they do on Facebook, but their social media team got the guys, some of the new newer guys to the roster to uh, get indoctrinated. In Canada, in particular, in certain areas of Canada, so to see if they were really Toronto men's, as this language goes, and uh, I thought it was a really funny bit. I think it's a cool bit to really speak to what Toronto is about and one of the flavors of Toronto, easily one of the most multiculturally diverse and ethnically diverse cities on the planet. So, shouts out to the Toronto Raptors social media team. I don't know if I'm a Toronto man, see, but uh, that sounded terrible. I need to stop. Um, anyway, another former Toronto man's, if you did not know, Wardell Stephen Curry II, who was in Toronto as a young, as a little youth, um, when his dad, Dell played for the Raptors back in the day. So I knew him and like 
the little Seth and, and Corey Joseph, who plays for the Sacramento Kings. They were all like around the same age playing basketball together uh, in the city. And uh, I guess he took umbrage with a reporter recently who used his first name, Wardell, in an interview. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are memes everywhere. Not like the Bernie Sanders memes, but there are memes everywhere where Steph kind of responded like, yo, you don't know me like that, dog. Don't, don't be violating my name like that. I wonder if he'd say that to me when he hears me use the full name, but it is what it is. I want to shout out my man, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was my pick for most improved in the NBA, still is, Oklahoma City Thunder, out there starting with another Canadian, Lugans Dort from Montreal. But Shea um, says that how he keeps himself humble and driven every day is that his mom's tells him he sucks. No matter how good, he's averaging over 20 a night, you know, doing well. Assist game is up. Rebound game is up. He's the leader of that team. They're trying to stay. Hey, they're staying sticky and they're they're competing for a playoff spot, spot right now. But, you know, if, if your worst critic can sometimes be yourself, I think that, you know, having his moms out there, giving the tough love might be good for him. We're going to get into some tough love a little bit later. As a matter of fact, um, before I do that, I want to send my last Canadian shout out to R.J. Barrett. I'm cool with his dad. I remember R.J. as as a young guy as well in Toronto. And uh, he scored a career high 28 against fellow Canuck, Andrew Christian Wiggins. And when I think about all these guys growing up around the same age and like, do does R.J. look at Andrew Wiggins like, you know, a role model. Like these guys are still very, very young. And they're the history, or I guess part of the new era of Canadian basketball players. Hopefully will get an opportunity to play in the Olympics uh, in 2021 because this pandemic is, is slowing down everything. But uh, shouts out to everybody in Canada. And, and to go back to RJ for a second and the Knicks, who I have to give some love to. I did not think that Tom Thibodeau was the fit there. But there's something to be said for accountability. Now, he'll put them in positions to play. You'll get the minutes if you work. And he's made Julius Randle an all-star. It looks like, you know, they're the most, you know, highest valuated team in the league, obviously, because it's in New York. But uh, even with the losing, and now they're respectable, I think, what, 8 and 10? They're close to 500. This is a, I, the closest to 500 they've been in a long time. And the fact that Tom Thibodeau is making these guys accountable for their actions, whether it be RJ or, you know, Alfred, Alfred Payton or, or, or Julius Randle. Well, I think it's playing fantastic for them. Shouts out to the Knicks. I got to give it up. Uh, Uncle Shay Shay, Shannon Sharp, Mr. Do Something for Two Something, was making a comparison recently that I thought about, and, and I didn't really catch it at first, and then I thought about what he was saying, and he was calling, you know, NFL MVP, the reigning NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson from the Baltimore Ravens, Giannis Attentacumpo. I'm like, what? But he made the comparison that both the NFL MVP and the two-time reigning and defending MVP, Giannis, are about the same. They're great in the regular season. The playoffs leaves a lot to be desired. Old heads 
tough love or is it hating? I don't know. You tell me. You know, recently, Shaquille O'Neal went in Donovan Mitchell. The Utah Jazz are playing fantastic basketball right now, spreading it out. But, you know, the question was raised, like Donovan Mitchell, who's, you know, he can score the ball. We know that. But he's never had more than one double-digit rebound game, more than one double-digit assist game in his entire career. Shaq went at him at the end of Inside the NBA last week. Mitchell was like, hey, you know, whatever. I, when Shaq said, I don't think you got it in you. I'm giving you some tough love. I'm saying it on purpose. So he's qualifying it. But, I mean, we know that Shaquille O'Neal is notoriously petty. And he has very thin skin. He's gone at Dame Lillard. He's gone at Donovan Mitchell now. You know he already went at Rudy Gobert. And, of course, he has his thing with all the big men in the NBA because they are not Shaq. He's a Hall of Famer. So he has a little bit of a platform to stand on. So there's Charles Barkley who, you know, he's going at Kevin Durant and he's going at LeBron, these guys. And they, you know, they're calling him an idiot and figuring out like, well, you know, we can tell when it's shade. We can tell when you're throwing shade at us and you're trying to hate. So is it tough love or is it hating? I hate that term. Can you hate hating? Well, we're going to stop hating and get at the original hater himself. LeVar Ball, well, I guess, you know, it was about time that he was on the radar, I guess, for, for him, who is now complaining that his boy is not a backup. LaMelo's not a backup. He's a star. He's a star in this league. All three of my boys are stars. I don't want him to mess up this young guy's career. I mean, he's saying that Lonzo is going to get a $100 million contract somewhere. I don't know where. They're not doing it in, in New Orleans right now. They really aren't. There's nothing that says they're going to resign him there. Nobody's going to sign him for $100 million. I can't see it. LaMelo's having a solid rookie season. Fall back, LeVar. Fall back. Joel Embiid. Is he a low-key MVP right now? I think he is. Tell you the truth. I mean, right now, the way he's playing, giving you 27, 11, and 3 with a per, like the second highest player efficiency rating in the league at 30.86 I don't believe in the Philadelphia 76ers because of Ben Simmons mostly if they're able to get that together there are three teams in the east that I really believe have an opportunity to make it to the NBA finals Philadelphia Milwaukee Boston I'm stuck I know that Brooklyn has the stars. I just don't know if they can stop anybody and get beyond the second round of the playoffs if they make it to the conference finals. But those three teams, I put money on. If I bet. I don't bet. But we're at the quarter mark of the season. You know, Philly's leading the East um, with a great record right now, even though they lost to Detroit last night. Joel Embiid was out. Uh, you know, he needed a night off. But uh, they're still leading the East. And in the West... At 14 and 4 now, the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's go through our power 10 real quick to find out where they stand if they look like they were last week. I mean, up to the top, it's pretty much the same uh, with the Lakers and then the Clippers. Some people will swap them in and out depending upon how you feel. I just don't feel comfortable enough to say that the Clippers have totally eclipsed the Lakers just yet. Um, but it's early, you know. Um, Utah made the biggest jump. 
and my power 10 this week. They have won eight straight games, or as we like to say on the fine program, we like to call the open run. They're on a losing strike. Eight straight, they're playing solid ball. It's, it's balanced scoring. They all seem to be playing defense. Utah quietly sneaking up there, challenging for one of the top teams in the West. Um, you know, I, I'd be remiss not to, to, to mention the seven game uh, losing strike that the Clippers are on, but with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George not making the trip to Atlanta uh, to play the Hawks, some people are calling it load management disguised as COVID related protocol issues. I don't know. It's too, I'm not even going to go there, but I guess I just did. So you can say what you want to say, but you know, uh, at one, the Lakers, two, the Clippers, three, Utah, Philadelphia at four, um, Milwaukee at five. I have Boston at six, and I got to shout out Jalen Brown, who's looking like the real star on that team. I mean, he's stepping up with J- Jason Tatum out, with Kemba Walker in and out of the lineup. They lost, you know, eight-mile little uh, B-Rabbit, uh, Peyton Pritchard for two weeks to an injury. But Jalen Brown is stepping up and stepping strong, man. He looks like a solid all-star pick if they do have the all-star game. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, Boston at six, Denver at seven. I feel like they're starting to round into shape, even though last night, Jamal Murray, come on, man, a little more Canadian content on the program. Got ejected from the game for... uh, Going at the Mountain Oysters, I guess, if you want to call them that. The Cashews of Tim Holloway Jr. It was a chippy play, whatever the case might be. He got kicked out of the game. Got to stay away from guys growing ecology areas, man. Leave that alone. That's not good for basketball at all. Not good in life, period. But whatever. You know, um, Denver Nuggets made a jump. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. You know, some people have them higher. I don't. I don't. Again, not really sure what they're going to do defensively. They do have all the offense in the world. They're at eight, Phoenix at nine, and I was going back and forth between Indiana and Portland at 10. I think that Portland started to turn the corner. Dame Lillard, new kids, new life, new wife. Well, not wife, I guess his fiance, but you know, I can't discount what they're doing in Indiana. So I had to roll with Indiana at 10, but Portland's right there knocking on the door. And um, I spoke a little bit about Phoenix, or I guess the, the, the possibility of all-stars. Now, the NBA and the NBPA are discussing the possibility of having an all-star game uh, sometime in early March. Uh, the, the break is March 5th through the 10th. So they're thinking about doing it then. And instead of having it in a regular way, they're going to have it because it was supposed to be in Indy this year. But they're looking to do something possibly in Atlanta, um, possibly either. I don't think they have the, the, the HBCUs down there have the capacity to hold an NBA all-star game so i think they'll do it uh the state farm arena there in atlanta um tbs is there there's everything kind of contained there and having you know the all-star game in atlanta to benefit hbcus which is the big thing for chris paul who's the president of the players association and for COVID relief i think is a great idea and if you think it's a great idea reach out to me on my social media you know how to find me and come back for the final quarter Because it's not how we start, it's how we finish on The Open Run with Will Strickland.
winning time. And before we go any further, I'd like to salute Luigi Oriema. You might know him better as Gino Oriema, the Hall of Fame head coach of the Yukon Lady Huskies, the 11-time national champion Lady Huskies, the most in women's basketball history, surpassed the great Pat Summit for second place on the all-time wins list for women's basketball. And in looking at Gino's accomplishment, it made me think about the men's side. Teams like Duke, University of Kentucky, University of North Carolina, the Blue Bloods, and college, men's college basketball, not in the top 25. It's a new day. And I wonder, you know, when you look at the Gonzagas and the, the Baylors of the world at the top of the men's college rankings right now, if those teams will ever come back, if there's a wider landscape out there for young basketball players to go to different universities and still get that same shine, that same glow, not going to the Dukes and the UNCs of the world because a lot of those guys get in the NBA and they're not those guys. Let's be frank. I mean, the last guy from Duke who was doing anything significant in the NBA outside of Zion Williamson, who's not helping his team win right now? Kyrie Irving, maybe? Okay. UNC, name him. Who? University of Kentucky. You can say Anthony Davis. It's easy bake. John Wall, they got a lot of guys. Ray John Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins, they have a lot of guys. Even these young guys, Tyrese Maxey. So UK is still there. You're going to get John Calipari will get you the NBA, but you know, it's not the same as it used to be. I like the changing times. I'm with that. And this changing of college basketball, the changing of the old guard, it reminded me that we just changed the face of America just a bit with the elimination of Mango Mussolini, Cheddar T. Stalin who's exiled himself to Palm Beach, Florida, and hopefully soon to a prison near you. But it made me think about November 4th, 2008, when Barack Hussein Obama changed the face of the U.S. presidency, and it made me want to challenge him to a game of one-on-one, because his first official trip outside the United States was to Canada. First stop, Toronto. I went on my old television show, Court Surfing, and challenge Mr. Obama to a game of one-on-one. It never came to fruition. But let it be known, sir, that you have gotten this work, no doubt. Because even though you claim you do this, I really do this. So if you ever get an opportunity to go check out my articles, The Open Run, on press, you can see the story. It's called Nothing With The Same. Uh, it was a great time for me and uh, salute to Mr. Obama. Because if I had given him that work, I would need a pardon. It would have been bad. Speaking of pardons, and hopefully Joe Biden doesn't give Donald Trump a pardon because he will be indicted and he will be impeached and lots of stuff will be going on. But it, it reminded me again of my dear old dad who was at the top of the show, blessed dead, um, when I spoke about him. And I grew up in a home where I listened to a lot of Gil Scott Heron. If you're not familiar with Gil Scott Heron, the legendary bluesician, you should check him out. Um, he had a song called We Beg Your Pardon, America. It made me think about who I would give a pardon to in NBA history. 
who I wouldn't give a pardon to as well. Some of the guys who didn't make the cuts, and again, some of the guys who didn't make the cut, um, pardon me, pardon me, anyway, um, were, and it could be a team, it could be a player, it could be someone ancillary to the league, but related to it in some shape, form, or fashion. So who didn't make the cut? Roby Flat and his sabbatical, you know? Was it mental health issues? Did he need some time off? Did he need a break, a pause at the beginning of the season? Uh, was he just clowning? I don't know, but he got a pass. It wasn't heavy enough. Charles Barkley's taxes and vaccine program, like we pay the most taxes so the NBA players are getting... No, dummy. No. No, that's not going to happen. I shouldn't call him a dummy. That's not, that's not nice. And I'm trying to be nice in 2021. But... I feel bad he didn't make the cut. And also, someone voted actually for the bad boy Pistons to make this team that would not get a pardon. I'm not going to have it. They were a legendary champion who broke up dynasties and stopped lots of people on their way to their own dynasty. So whatever. I'm going to chill with that. So the bad boy Pistons didn't make it. But who would I give a pardon to? And if you have pardons you want to give, make sure to reach out to me on my social media. By all means, W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter and Will Strickland, number one on IG. But the first, I guess, people, if you want to call them people, I would pardon would be the basketball gods for depriving me of the chance to see Brandon Roy see his career to full fruition. I mean, he was a dog in Portland and I wonder what it would have looked like with a healthy Greg Oden and a healthy Brandon Roy and what would have happened in Portland. Would they have won a championship since the first one since 77? Who knows? But Brandon Roy, Kobe Bryant said he was the toughest guy he had to face in the NBA at the time. So that's a lot of praise for a guy whose knees betrayed him. Speaking of knees betraying someone, the greatest female basketball player in the history of the world to me, is Cheryl Miller. She was arguably the best player in the Miller household, and her brother's a Hall of Famer as well, Reggie. I wish she had an opportunity to play in the WNBA to show what she could do. And she was tough. She was my favorite when she played at USC, and I'm just kind of sad that she never got an opportunity to play in the United States uh, professionally so people could see how really good she was. And finally, Lynn Bias. I am a huge fan. I was a huge fan of Lynn Bias. I remember exactly where I was when he passed on June 19th, 1996 or 1986. And um, I want to see what he could do. He was LeBron before LeBron. Oh, did I say LeBron again? <sighs> Ouch. Somebody get the swear jar. He was that guy. He who shan't be named before he was him in a different way. I mean, body wise, he was like like a brick of granite. He was incredible and could jump out the gym, could do everything. And used to face Michael Jeffrey Jordan in the old ACC way back when. So he would get a pardon from me or the basketball gods would get a pardon from me for all those guys. And of course, Earl Joseph Smith Jr. You know, the play, you know, and if you don't look it up. NBA Finals, brain cramp, had an opportunity to change the trajectory of that series, possibly. Who knows? George Hill doesn't miss that free throw. JR gets the rebound. 
scores the basket. Who knows what will happen in the next couple of games, but nothing happened. Well, something did happen. The Warriors won the whole thing. Um, who would not? Who would never get a pardon from me? Absolutely not. I wanted Lou Williams to make this list, but I think that's kind of harsh. Because we were deprived of the anticipated battle between the Lakers and the Clippers in the playoffs last year. They were just never together at all. This team had no chemistry. So I can't just blame it on Lou, and I'm not going to do that. But I will boo the Raptors fans who cheered on when KD got injured in the 2019 finals. That's never cool. And clearly, since we're on the theme of Clippers, somehow, some way, the former owner, or governor, can we say governor? He wasn't a governor back then, but the owner of the Clippers, Donald Sterling, you never get a pardon, sir. So again, let me know if you want to pardon someone, hit me up on my social media. But speaking of social media, before we close it down, I want to quote a tweet. The final tweet of Kobe Bryant, hours before he passed, congratulating he who shan't be named. And the tweet went like this, continuing to move the game forward at King James. Much respect, my brother, muscle flex emoji, 33644, which is one point more than Kobe Bryant scored in the NBA. 10.39 p.m., January 25th. 2020. I've never been a huge fan. I never was a huge fan of Kobe Bryant, but I'd be a fool to not respect his work ethic, his acumen on the court. And I wrote, I don't want to call it a eulogy. I wrote a letter to Kobe. I put it on social media. Put it on my IG. You can find it there if you look for it. But the note I wrote went a little something like this. Watching grown men who competed against or were teammates of the man break down in tears of disbelief only serves to reinforce how very revered he was. And though I was never his biggest fan, love him or not, it doesn't seem to matter right now. He was an all-time great who etched his legacy with an unrelenting drive and hunger. You respect the resume, you respect the work ethic. You celebrate the volumes he left us, even as we mourn the chapters never to be realized. I did my best to avoid getting a little misty for a man I'd met once in passing and didn't really know. I was unsuccessful. I'm all right with that. Love, light, and blessings to you, your daughter, the others who took their leave on this tragic day. Your wife, babies, family, friends, foes, and fans, Kobe being Bryant. You will be missed for far more than basketball. A fire extinguished far too soon. I'm fairly certain more allegic prose will be written spit about this man. I offer mine here today. Legacies. Legacies, man. Legacies, much like people who create them, can be complicated. Perfectly imperfected. Kobe's was no different. His place in the pantheon can be questioned, but know this. Friends hang sometimes. Banners hang forever. So until next week, make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. Rich kid, you know what you do. But an homage to the late great Kobe Bean Bryant 
Mamba, and Wall Street. Out. Easy. <laughs>